This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we are talking about New Year, new financial resolutions. With me today, I have financial planner Julie Chadwick, and we are going to talk about some great ideas for you to be thinking ahead about the next year and how to improve yourself from a financial standpoint. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mary. Everyone's always talking about the, you know, the New Year's resolutions. Yeah, just add a little to that the financial resolutions. <laughs> there you go. But I think it's it's a great topic to be talking about because if you if you start doing research on things like New Year's resolutions. There are two things that always rise to the top that people want to do with their New Year's resolutions. They either want to lose weight, <laughs> the diet, <laughs> yeah. or they want to improve their money situation. Get out of debt. Yeah, get out of debt, improve their credit, whatever it is that they want to do. But most resolutions surround weight or money, <laughs> which I think is kind of interesting. For many of us, it, it involves both. Right. <laughs> So if you're looking to shed a few holiday pounds, I'm not going to be able to help you with that today, but we're definitely going to tie in some new financial resolutions. Right. And ones that you can actually uh, keep. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. So here's one thing that people really could start to focus on kicking off the new year is setting a resolution to raise your credit score by a certain number of points. Maybe set it for something like 25 points or 50 points or something like that. Depends on your own situation and where your credit is, but increasing your credit score is a great financial resolution to make. Right, and it's good to put it on a calendar and have a yearly resolution for it, so it's something you're constantly focusing on. Starting at the beginning of the year is the best time. It's something that you're going to review and take a peek at. So if you're going to do that, step one is to pull your credit scores. Now, you pulling your own score is what's called a soft inquiry, so it doesn't harm your credit when you do that. In fact, we recently did a show about credit, so if you missed that one, you can go back and listen to that. But um, when you're thinking about raising your credit, there's all kinds of tips and tricks to do it. You can make sure you're paying off your credit cards, and if you just overspent on holidays, <laughs> this could be a key thing for you to think about doing. <laughs> a lot of times, too, you might find when you're looking at your credit score, you might find that there's old debts that actually have been paid off, but it hasn't been reported reported. Mm -hmm. So you can contact those agencies, the different places that you've paid them off and shore them up. Definitely clean them up. There you go. So setting a resolution to raise your credit score by a certain number of points. There you go. That's a good one to be thinking about. Another one that is a great idea from a financial resolution standpoint surrounds the whole idea of savings. So we've talked many times about how important it is to have an emergency fund, something that is going to give you a bit of comfort knowing that money's there in case you have an unexpected happening in your life. Right. And there's a lot of rules of thumbs about emergency funds. Julie, share with our listeners a few that you know of. Usually you're looking, um, kind of the rule of thumb is three to six months mm-hmm. of your expenses or what your salary is. Yep. Some people look at them two different ways, but just having that money in the bank, it's li- literally just money in the bank sitting yep. there for you. So <laughs> if something comes up, it's going to be there. So that's a good rule of thumb is just having that money tucked away, not something that, you know, you're going to use just for maybe the extra holidays. Yep. <laughs> spending. So here's the resolution is increase your emergency fund by one month. 
So it can be overwhelming sometimes for people to think about building an emergency fund from nothing if they don't have one. But those of you who've already got to start on that or maybe have one, saving enough money every month so that at the end of the year you've built up an extra month in your emergency fund is a fantastic goal. And it breaks it down into just bite-sized pieces so it's not such a big thing to try to tackle all at once. Right. If you're taking it on just every month, it's just going to be a little bit and it won't hit the, hit the budget so hard. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. The next thing that I want to talk about is double-checking your beneficiary listings. So when you're thinking from a financial resolution standpoint, a lot of times it's things you want to do. And many resolutions are ones that literally can take months or years to do, right? Right. This one's easy. (laughs) This one wouldn't take you months or years to do. It's a good one to focus on because it's very, very impactful if you don't have it updated. Right. We find a lot of times when clients come in the office, when we're reviewing beneficiaries, they might not have added a new child to the Mm -hmm. beneficiary list, or they might not have removed maybe an ex-spouse from the beneficiary list. So things like that can make a huge impact if they're left unnoticed. One common thing that I've heard people say, especially after getting a divorce, and it can even be years after getting a divorce, when there are still minor children, people think that it's still okay to leave their ex-spouse as the beneficiary with the misguided intention that that ex-spouse would, of course, use the money for their child. And the truth is, they might, but they sure don't have to. Right. You don't want to leave that in, you know, to chance. Right. Exactly. So now, if you're remarried, then you can see where that might become a large problem. <laughs> we don't have to explain that one. <laughs> yeah. But even if you're not remarried, if you have minor children, your best bet is to do some further estate planning for them so that if something does happen to you, that money goes into trust and uh, is distributed out to your child as they age and as they mature surrounding how they're going to actually handle money. So beneficiaries, there's there's two types of beneficiaries, and sometimes people get confused about how this all rolls. But there's something called a primary beneficiary, and there's something called a contingent beneficiary. Now, the primary beneficiary is who's going to get your money if you are gone. The primary beneficiary might be one person, or you can split it up between multiple people. The contingent beneficiaries don't get any money unless you're dead, and so are all of your primary beneficiaries. Right, so it's the secondhand ones. Exactly. So people get confused about what happens with this, but your primary beneficiaries all have to be gone. So let's say that you said, I want to split my account evenly between my living children And then you have as contingent beneficiaries, you say, I want to split it between my living grandchildren. Well, what people don't understand is that by saying it that way or by doing it that way, if one of your living children passes away, it's not going to automatically pass down to their children. It's going to split equally between the remaining living primary beneficiaries. Right. So you can effectively disinherit your grandchildren if you don't address this correctly. A lot of thing, times that we bring up to clients as an option that you can add on to your beneficiaries is a purse stirpes. Mm-hmm. And purse stirpes allows 
that beneficiary option. So if one of the children did pass on, if you designate persterpes, then it would, in fact, pass on to their heirs. Absolutely. And persterpes is an old Latin term. So the per is P-E-R and the sterpes is S-T-I-R-P-E-S. So it's kind of a weird word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not your average everyday lingo, (laughs) but it does mean that to the heirs of that heir. Right. So it's kind of an interesting way to handle your beneficiaries because it does designate exactly what you want to have happen with it. So double checking or realigning your beneficiaries is a super good idea to do as a financial resolution because of the fact that life changes. And an important thing, too, is looking at all of your accounts. A lot of times Mm -hmm. people will think of, oh, I have an IRA or I have a Roth, but then they don't think about their 401k or an employer plan. So you want to make sure that you're hitting all the buttons there or life insurance policies. too. Life insurance policies, pensions, things like that. The thing that we find the most commonly missed, though, is bank accounts. Mm -hmm. So if you have bank accounts, checking, saving CDs, you can't just necessarily add a beneficiary, but banks tend to let you add something that's called a POD, which means pay on death, or a TOD, which means transfer on death, they frequently will let you add those to the account so it is kind of similar to and acts like a beneficiary Mm -hmm. designation. Right. And the beauty of it is it will help bypass probate. Exactly. So anytime that you have a beneficiary listed on your accounts, then that account is not going to pass through probate because a beneficiary listing trumps the will and it trumps anything else. (laughs) So the companies are only going to pay attention to the beneficiary designations on file. In the absence of one, it's going to go down to what your will says. And if you have no will, then you're dying with what you call intestate. And intestate means that the state that you live in literally is going to decide what happens with your stuff. Right. And a lot of times they're going to sit on that. It doesn't happen Mm -hmm. right away. And so your money's tied up and you really don't know what's going to go on with it. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that this is a great time for you to include updating your beneficiary designations as a financial resolution. And the beauty of this is you can get it done in January before your motivation to actually achieve your New Year's (laughs) resolutions is gone. (laughs) Quick, easy fix. That makes a huge impact. Right. When I set resolutions, especially if they're weight-related, I like I'm full steam ahead for the first two weeks of January. (laughs) And about January 20th, I'm thinking, where is the sugar? Let's think of something else to do. I need some dessert. (laughs) (laughs) This resolution was not fun. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about New Year, New Financial Resolutions. So we talked about raising your credit score by, say, 25 points is a great resolution. We've talked about the idea of adding one month of value to your emergency fund, and we've talked about double-checking your beneficiary listings. So now we're going to dive into some things that are a little bit more complex, that take a little bit more time, some of those resolutions that have more than one step. (laughs) Still all very important, though. Absolutely. So the first thing I want to talk about is kind of connected to the beneficiary designations we just talked about, and that's about updating your legal documents. Kind of goes hand in hand with the beneficiaries, but it's a little bit more in depth, like you said. Right. Now, when it comes to legal documents, this is very often something that people procrastinate about doing until there's no longer time to do it. (laughs) 
people don't a lot of times like to think about death or having they to don't. prepare well, for it yeah, and have stuff in order. So, and that's that's completely understandable. But it's even more important to have this stuff in line for your family members and the people who are going to stay. Yes, to stay around. I like to think about this as a wonderful gift that you're giving your family. It truly is. Yeah. yeah. So when you're thinking about your legal documents, there is a three pack of documents that we would recommend everybody have. Number one is a will. Right. And a will is simply going to say, hey, this is who I want to get my stuff. Pretty much all your stuff that you have. Yep. <laughs> Someone's exactly. going to get it. Pretty basic. But like we said, if you don't decide who that's going to go to, the state that you live in is going to decide that. And quite frankly, I don't really want, you know, the great state of South Dakota to be deciding anything for me and my family. Right. So it's an easy way for you just to be able to listen out the things that you have. And you don't necessarily, I think the reason people put it off a lot is they think, how can I go through absolutely everything I have? And you don't have to get that complicated. No. It's simply having a will stating that you... Maybe you want this, you know, everything in the house going to the family members or mm-hmm. vehicles or things like that. So name big, big ticket items, but just to have a will at all is going to be better than not. Now, if you have a fairly simple situation, let's say you're married and maybe your children are adults, then there is something that is kind of loosely coined as an I love you, Will. <laughs> Basically, it's saying, honey, I love you. You get all my stuff. <laughs> and you hope you go first, so she has to take care of the rest. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing is that that's super simple. Sometimes we see wills like that only literally being two, maybe three pages long. So it doesn't have to be incredibly complex. Um, if you start getting into things where you have children and grandchildren or you have people in your life who are maybe not so good with handling money and you want to try to help them and guide them within your legal documents, then of course it's going to get a little bit more complex. But one of the things inside your will that you can do is you can set up something that's called a testamentary trust. And a testamentary trust just means that it doesn't get created until you've died and your will becomes active and that the money that passes through it goes into a trust established at that time and it's for the benefit of whoever you know, you want that money to go to. A lot of times it's minor children, so you can control how that's going to be divvied out to them. Right. Now, there is a trend that it's not even just minor children anymore. It's becoming more young adults, too. And so, for instance, in my, you know, planning, I have a testamentary trust that says this trust gets established at my death that is going to say my kids can have money for health, welfare, maintenance, and education. They can have money to get them through college. And then they get a third of it when they're 25. They get a third of it when they're 30 and then a third when they're 35. And the truth is they're probably going to blow the first third. Yep. (laughs) But at least it's only a third instead of the whole thing. That's right. So I'm hoping they learn their lesson about how bad they probably screwed up (laughs) with the first third. And remember that when they get the second third and spend it a little more wisely. And then by the time the final payment comes, they're really a lot more financially savvy. By that point, they'll realize this truly was a gift that my mom and dad left. (laughs) Exactly. So the will is definitely number one, the main thing that you would want to have with your estate planning documents. But the other two documents that are also important are a financial power of attorney. And the third one is a health care power of attorney. Right. And a lot of times people don't understand. They think the will, once they have a will, 
that that's going to take care of things. Mm -hmm. But the will actually only takes care of things once you've passed on. And the power of attorneys, on the other hand, take care of things while you're alive if you're incapacitated or unable to handle your financial affairs or your health care situations. Right. And most of them don't take effect until you are unable to handle them yourself. So it's not like you're giving somebody else permission to do anything as long as you're competent and healthy and able to handle it. But if you don't have those on file, then if something does happen and you can't handle your own affairs, even if it's for a short period of time, then it's very cumbersome and expensive and can be a problem for someone to go get appointed as your power of attorney through the court system without you having already done it first. Right. A lot of times we find husband and wife, Mm -hmm. when we're explaining that they need to get a power of attorney, especially a financial power of attorney, they're like, okay, yeah, we'll get it. But then when we say if something happens to you and you go in the hospital, let's say the husband went in the hospital, we wouldn't be able to talk to the wife or take any instructions from the wife, right. even though they're husband and wife, like exactly. per se on his IRA account. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an eye-opening thing for them where they understand that that's why it's important to do that if you, in fact, need to make transactions or do something on their behalf. Yep. There you go. So the three pack of documents, the will, the financial power of attorney, and the health care power of attorney, that's what we would recommend that you do. If you already have them, then the New Year's resolution could be to update them. But if you don't have them, then we strongly suggest that your New Year's resolution be to tackle this, get it done, even though it's not the most fun topic in the world. Get your legal documents in order so that you have given that gift to your family. That will be a great thing to put behind you knowing that you've updated it, looked at it, reviewed it, and it's checked off your list. There you go. All right. So that's something that we think is important. But the next thing that we think is important is kind of facing forward is that New Year's resolutions is a great time to start thinking about doing a financial forecast. So when you're looking forward, especially if you're starting to be planning for retirement or ready to transition into retirement, a financial forecast is something that's going to say, here's where you are now. And if we look forward, here's what you can kind of expect from the assets and the amounts of money that you've saved and built. It kind of shows you what track you're on if you're in the position that you're at right now. Right, exactly. So it's going to answer questions for you like, how much can I spend in retirement if I retire when I'm 62? Right, kind of let you know when you can retire too. Yes, exactly. And if that's not like if it's not enough money at <laughs> 62, we might be saying, um, you might want to wait till you're 65. Or conversely, what we love the most is when we see someone say, hey, I'm thinking about retiring at 65 and we can tell them, you know what, actually, if you do this, this and this, we think you can retire earlier at 63. Then they absolutely are super happy they did some forecasting. (laughs) They really love us then, don't they? (laughs) So, But but think about that. Uh, Some time spent doing some retirement and financial forecasting could literally be the difference of years of your life spent working or years of your life spent in retirement doing other things that you love. Right. And one of the best things that I, the the best feeling I get when talking to clients and talking to them and doing some forecasting is when they have that high level of satisfaction knowing that they know exactly where they're at or what they're on track for. And Mm -hmm. it's in line with what they want to do in life. Yeah. So the thing that is very important in the financial forecasting is that it does have to align with the life you want to leave. Julie, you're exactly right with what you're saying about that, which means that every single person's financial forecast is going to look a little different because it's always going to be customized to them. Right. So how do you get started with doing a financial forecast? Well, the truth is that's really where a financial planner is going to come into play. And these are complicated. I mean, they do take some time for someone to go through because there's a lot of factors that go into forecasting for the long term. 
You have to look at what you have already. You have to look at what your goals and your objectives are. You have to look at how much money you're spending right now on your current lifestyle and can that continue. And that kind of financial forecast, because it takes time, is often something that planners charge a fee for. Mm -hmm. And that's, of course, how we work. Right, exactly. And it's the fairest way to do it because you're getting good, solid, unbiased advice that simply is going to let you know where you're at. Here's where you want to be. Here's what you got to do to get there. There you go. And that is going to help you align your money with the life that you want to lead. And of all of the things that I think people hear us say repetitively, that's probably the one that they might even be getting tired of hearing us say (laughs) is how important it is to align your money with the life you want to lead. It's just true because your money is there for you to provide um, a lot of things, but it's not so much about money buying you happiness or bringing you a sense of security or even the material things that it provides. Having money simply gives you choices right. of what kind of life you want to lead. Right. If you're going to be someone who's going to be a homebody and sitting at home, that's going to affect what you have to have for retirement. If it's going to be someone who's going to be a world traveler, mm-hmm. that also is going to affect the different types. <laughs> so those are the things that really... But that's what we mean when we say align your money with the lifestyle that you want to lead. Now, if you are leading up to retirement and you're trying to figure out how to put these pieces together, another great New Year's resolution is to read a book about how to do all this. And as luck would have it, Mary just (laughs) might have written a book. I'm ready to pull the retirement trigger. It's a great read. It's a great book. And it's not a super long read either. No. It's something that you can you can read in a few settings. It's going to give you really good overall insight into the things you need to think about when it comes to retirement planning. And listeners who reach out and say that they you know heard this show, you can email us at sterkfinancialservices.com and we will be happy to send you a free copy of the ebook. It's a great tool and it's a quick read and it's great little pointers. People, everyone that I've you know talked to that has read it said was they pulled multiple things out that helped them out. Yeah, planning. And if you're ready to start your planning, if you have found that New Year's resolutions for you means getting all your ducks in a row, then we are accepting new clients out at Sterk Financial. The first step is to contact us for a value assessment meeting where we're just going to talk to you about where you're at what you're doing, what you need, and determine if the way we work with people can add value. We'll figure out what kind of fees we would charge and who's the best planner in our office to work with you. So give us a call. We'd love to work with you. And we hope that by listening to these potential resolutions, you find a financial resolution for yourself to key into. Wishing you a very happy and healthy and financially successful new year. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.